Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the sermon from lead pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. If you have your Bibles uh, at home or uh, wherever you might be today, if you would just turn to go ahead and turn to Luke uh, chapter 24, and we're going to start there uh, in just a moment. I want to thank uh, Joe for uh, giving me the opportunity to bring the message this morning. But as you're praying this week, uh, I'd like for you to lift up Joe and Kathy. They're on vacation, a much needed rest for them, and we pray that. It would be refreshing and uh, being renewed uh, in the days to come. And we look forward to having them back uh, next week. Uh, I had a hard time uh, titling this message that I wanted to bring today. And there were several themes that came to my mind, especially in the times that we're living in. uh, And then some intriguing questions that I wanted to look at and answer. And so... Because, you know, we're living uh, in an unusual time of COVID-19 where spatial distancing and wearing masks is somewhat unfamiliar to us. Uh, But also there's other issues going on in our country. And I thought about uh, the following questions uh, for the last couple of weeks. One is, is there hope when I've messed up? Uh, I thought about another question, is there hope when I feel like quitting? And then, is there hope for me when I'm afraid? But I settled instead on the question, is there hope for my broken heart? I have thought about this question for a couple weeks now, and I firmly believe, without a shadow of a doubt, that there is hope for my broken heart, and there's hope for your broken heart as well. Hope is the ability to stand in the presence And look into the future with confidence. People not only want to know what their future holds for their life, but they also want to know what will happen to them after they die. I read a funny story uh, as I was preparing for this message about a man from Chicago who was uh, traveling to Florida for a vacation. His uh, wife wasn't able to go uh, when he did because she had some work-related things that she had to accomplish before she got there. And so she was going to join him later uh, the next day. When he arrived in the hotel, he, he wanted to send her an email from the lobby computer. But he couldn't re- recall her email address from memory. So he typed in what he thought was her email address. But unfortunately, he got one letter wrong. Instead of the email going to his wife, it instead went to an elderly preacher's wife uh, whose husband died a few days earlier. And when the preacher's wife checked her email, she found the message from the guy in Florida. And when she read it, she screamed and then fainted. It said, Dear wife, just got checked in. Everything prepared for your arrival tomorrow. Your loving husband. P.S. It sure is hot down here. I can see why she screamed and why she fainted. If you could really get a message from someone who has already died, you'd probably pay pay close, close attention to it, wouldn't you? Actually, we do. We do have a message from the only man who died and then came back from the dead never to die again. 
His name is Jesus, and we find and we read about him in Luke 24. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 24. To set the scene, it's the very first Easter. There were two people walking back from Jerusalem to their home in Emmaus, seven miles away from Jerusalem. Cleopas was one of the people, but the other one is never named. Now, it could have been Miss Cleopas, it could have been another family member, or it could have been a friend. But if you were following them, you would have noticed their heads were hanging low and their feet were dragging. They were weighed down with a load of discouragement and disappointment. These two had been followers of Jesus Christ. And three days earlier, they had seen their hopes and dreams nailed to a cross. And their hearts were broken. And as they were walking along, a stranger joined them. And they didn't recognize him. But the stranger was Jesus. Fresh from his resurrection. They had watched him die. But nobody expects to see dead men walking. The stranger asked what they were discussing, and we pick up their answer in verse uh, 19. He says, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the other people. The chief priest and, and, and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's been three days since all this took place. In addition, some of the women amazed us and they went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us what they had seen, a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions uh, went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him, meaning Jesus, they did not see. Let's fast forward a little bit. At this point, Jesus started telling them about why the Messiah had to die. Then as they walked, Jesus told them about how every book in the Old Testament predicted the ministry and death of the Messiah. When they reached their home in Emmaus, they invited their guests to join them for supper. When Jesus took the bread and when he said the blessing, suddenly they recognized Jesus. And poof, Jesus was gone. Let's pick up the story in verse 32. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together saying, It is true, Jesus is alive. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Because of their Easter encounter with Jesus... These two people were never again the same. They were never again the same. If you so desire, you too can have an Easter encounter with Jesus. I want to share two brief observations and one important application. The first observation is this. 
Life is full of heartbreaking experiences. Life is full of heartbreaking experiences. At the beginning of that first Easter, these two disciples were full of despair. It says, if you look back in verse 17, they stood stood still, their faces downcast. Their hopes and dreams have been crushed. Maybe you're suffering from a broken heart today as well. I wonder, how much would you be willing to pay for hope? How much would you be willing to pay for hope? The good news is, and as we know, hope is not for sale. It's free to you. And it's free to me. Jesus already paid the price for our hope. When he died on the cross and rose from the dead, he provided a pathway for us to experience forgiveness and everlasting life. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Life is tough. We all mess up. Our hearts are going to be broken, but through Jesus Christ, we can hang on to that hope. Life is filled with unpleasant situations. Walking with Jesus Christ is the only way you can live, having only positive expectations. That's what hope is. If you build your life on the shifting sands of the world's philosophy, you'll be in a world of trouble and hurt. But if you turn your life over to Jesus, you can find hope and a solid place to stand when the storms of life come crashing down around you. Edward Moat said it well in his song, The Solid Rock. And one of the verses says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Even if you've messed up, there is hope for you. Jesus knows all about your failures, yet he still loves you. He's offering you forgiveness and a fresh start. If all you have to do is confess your sin, repent, and ask Jesus to come into your life and accept his forgiveness. But I've also found a a broken heart is not a rare experience. It's all too commonplace. Uh, Jimmy Ruffin and the Temptations recorded a song that asked that very same question. What becomes of the brokenhearted? Now, I'm not going to sing that this morning, and you're probably grateful for that, but that tune will be in your mind all day long. Uh, And uh, Jimmy Ruffin sang, As I walk this land with broken dreams, I have visions of many things. Love's happiness is just an illusion, filled with sadness and confusion. What becomes of the brokenhearted, who had love that's now departed. I know I've got to find some kind of peace of mind 
what becomes of the brokenhearted. The list of things that can cause our hearts to break is longer than we have time to discuss this morning. A bad romance or a marriage can break your heart. The death of someone you love can break your heart. Not making the team or the cheerleading squad can break your heart. Not getting that promotion at work can break your heart. A loved one who has a debilitating disease like Alzheimer's or cancer can break your heart. From the cradle to the grave, pain and despair come to us like waves of the ocean. If you're between a wave right now, be thankful. But chances are, another wave is on the way. But you see, that's part of life. Nobody is immune from the pain of a broken heart. The Bible says uh, nobody's immune from trouble. The psalmist in chapter 90 verse 10 said, The length of our days is 70 years or 80. If we have the strength, yet their span is but trouble and sorrow. For they quickly pass and we fly away. I have a friend, uh, Paul McKee, who lived in Tennessee at one point in his life, uh, in his ministry, and now uh, lives in Spartanburg, and he's the director of missions for the Spartanburg Network, uh, told me one time that his local newspaper was going to do a series of articles on people who were suffering from a broken heart. Uh, They wrote to him and other pastors asking them to consider Uh, submitting the names of people they knew who had suffered a broken heart. He said one perceptive pastor sent the newspaper the telephone directory. He was close to, to being correct. The second observation is this. A broken heart can destroy your hope. A broken heart can destroy your hope. These two disciples and Luke 24 knew what it was like to have broken hearts and broken dreams. Listen to their words again in verse 21. We had hoped that he was the one. We had hoped that he was the one. Have you ever came to a place in your life when things didn't turn out the way you wanted them to do? And you had to say, I had hoped. Have you ever had any of those experiences? I have. When I went off to seminary at Southwestern in Fort Worth Cemetery, or cemetery, (laughs) that's what it felt like, uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, My plans uh, were to minister to college students. uh, And I was on track to do that. I served as an as a college minister for the summers at First Baptist North Augusta. And, and then after I finished my seminary degree, I went to the University of South Carolina and was there a Baptist campus minister intern for a year. And after that year was uh, up, uh, there were no openings. Um, for you see, I found out two things about campus ministers. They either retire 
or they die. And then they retire at age 90. So they, they don't ever retire, they, they, but they just die in place. And so there was no openings for me. And so uh, I was invited to a, to a church uh, to become a, a youth minister. And, and when I tell you this, believe me, I hated every minute of the time I was there. Because that was not where I was gifted. Uh, and then uh, while I was there at that church, I applied to the North American Mission Board to serve specifically to college students. And I had, a, had an interview in Ohio. And, of course, I don't have anything about Ohioans. But the situation was just not um, comfortable for me. And so I uh, said no to that position. And, and, but in the meantime, I also was sending out uh, letters or resumes to be a pastor of a local church. And so after I got a call to be a pastor at Kedron Baptist in Aiken, I got a phone call the very next day from the university or West Virginia, West Virginia University to come interview for their campus pastor position. And boy... Was I in a pickle? But after much prayer, I decided to stay in the local church as a pastor. And I can tell you, and all of my experiences in ministry have shaped me to do what I do now as a chaplain with hospice. I wouldn't trade any of those experiences for anything in the world. But I'm able, uh, I think I still can minister to college students. Um, about two years ago, uh, Pam, my wife, and I uh, started a, a ministry to uh, the 18 to 23-year-olds, uh, college students and career folks. Uh, we call it The Gathering. And we've been able to, to minister uh, to our community with mission projects, help them grow deeper in their relationship with Jesus, and help them with our church-wide initiative of up, in, and out. So I still get the best of both worlds. But you know, I found that losing hope can make you sick. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sink, sick, but a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. Have you lost hope during the last three months? Hopelessness is when you're afraid that things won't work out. Sometimes you feel that way, but hope is the feeling that hopelessness won't last forever. Everyone is in search of hope. At the end of World War II, a submarine was limping back to the dock at Newport News, Virginia. As they approached the dock, something went wrong with the ballast system and it began to sink in the harbor. When it came to rest on the bottom of the harbor, divers immediately began a rescue operation. As the divers approached, they could hear tapping on the hull. A crew member inside the sub was tapping Morse code these words. Is there any hope? That's what millions of people are looking for today. Even right now. Hope. Which leads us to how, how does hope apply to my life by resting in the knowledge that Jesus Christ can restore your hope. Jesus Christ can restore your hope.
at the beginning of that first Easter, these two disciples were discouraged because their hopes and dreams had been crushed. But when they encountered the risen Christ, their hope was restored. They observed in verse 32, were not our hearts burning within us as he talked with us on the road? Their broken hearts were replaced with hearts that were burning with hope and excitement. And Jesus Christ can restore your hope as well. Hope is a very valuable commodity. In 1997, there was a movie starring Kevin Costner called The Postman. Hollywood critics uh, ridiculed it as one of the worst movies ever produced. That's probably why I liked it. I was watching it on TV not too long ago, and as I watched it, I realized the movie is all about the value and the power of hope. It was set in the future after a war devastated America. Uh, Kevin Costner is fleeing from evil General Valentine, and when he hides out in an old wrecked postal truck, he borrows the uniform of the skeleton and wanders into an isolated town claiming to be a postman for the reformed United States government. He claims there's a new president, Richard Starkey, which, by the way, you trivia nuts, that's uh, Ringo Starr's real name. Then he was living in the new U.S. Capitol in Minneapolis. And the postman told them, the president wants you to know that stuff is getting better. Of course he was trying to say that. He just wanted to be fed. But in the process of his deception, he starts giving people hope. He gives hope to a blind woman when she received a letter from her sister. He gave hope to a young man named Four Lincoln Mercury and inspired him to enlist a larger group of postmen. In the end, the postman ends up leading the people into a rebellion against General Valentine. There's a scene in the movie where Abby, played by Olivia Williams, is talking about hope. She says, you have a gift, postman. I saw it back in Pineview. You've given us all back what we've forgotten. You made Miss March feel like she could see again. You made Ford feel like he was part of the world. You give out hope. Like it's candy in your pocket. And when I heard that line, I thought about the power of hope. Hope is the acronym of having only positive expectations. That's what hope is. Having only positive expectations. Hope is what gives people the reason to go on. Even when their hearts are broken. That's exactly what Jesus does. He gives out hope to everyone who encounters him. Jesus claimed that he has the power to heal a broken heart. He said in Luke chapter 4 verse 18, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Has your heart ever been broken? Has there been such pain and disappointment that you've wondered what's the use? Jesus is willing and able to heal your broken heart, but you've got to be willing to give him all the pieces of your broken heart so he can mend it back together. I think that's important. Let me say that again. Jesus is willing and able to heal your broken heart, but you have to be willing 
to give him all the pieces of your broken heart. Are you in need of some hope? There's a couple of things that you can do as these two disciples did in Luke 24. First of all, there is hope if you walk with him. As these two disciples walked along, their sadness was turned to joy and the despair was placed with hope. In the Bible, the word uh, walk with speaks of a close relationship. And every day we're faced with temptations and there's a voice of temptation suggesting us we walk down the wrong pathway. But we all stumble through on life's journey. We all need a helping hand from time to time. And we all wonder how I fit in God's plan. But I'm so thankful that Jesus holds my hand when I am lost. And he carries me when the road gets rough. And he picks me up each time I fall. I'm grateful his presence is here with me day and night. Even in my darkest hour and feel like giving up, he gives, he takes the weight of the weight off my shoulders and fills my heart with love. In other words, when you're walking with God, he will direct you in the right pathway. The Bible says whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you say, This is the way. Walk in it. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. Walking with Jesus means you acknowledge Jesus as your constant companion. But sadly, many people who claim to be a believer regard Jesus much the same way as they treat their spare tire in the trunk. Do you think about the Lord only when you have a personal blowout? Like a spare tire, some people realize Jesus is always there. But they never really acknowledge him until they have some kind of crisis. If you want to have hope, you've got to walk with him daily. Second thing is, there is hope if you will listen to him. Not only did these two disciples on the road to Emmaus walk with Jesus, they listened to what he had to say. He started talking about Genesis and traced his presence through every section of the Old Testament. And their hope was gone until they heard what he had to say. The Lord is trying to talk to you today. Are you hearing his voice? The Lord is speaking. Are you listening? God's original intent was to create people with whom he could have a personal, loving relationship with. The Bible says he would walk with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Eden, excuse me. A sin destroyed that relationship, and salvation is having that relationship restored through Jesus Christ. It's possible to know God and walk with Him and talk with Him. One of my favorite hymns is "In the Garden," and I'll tell a funny story on my niece Michaela. She's in her late twenties and. When she was a little girl, uh, she loved to sing. And as she was singing, she learned how to sing the song in the garden. And so we were gathered around, I think maybe around Thanksgiving. And uh, she started singing. And so my my brother asked his daughter if uh, she would sing for us in the garden. And 
a few minutes later, we were looking around for Michaela, and we looked out into the garden, and she was singing in the garden. We meant the song in the garden, not sing in the garden. But the words that Austin Miles wrote, it speaks of walking and talking with the Lord, and, and you can have that kind of relationship with God this song describes, and he speaks it says, he speaks in the sound of his name. It's so sweet, the birds hush their singing. And the melody that he brings to me within my heart is ringing. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I'm his very own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. In the garden. Finally, I think there is hope if you will see him for who he really is. If you will see Jesus for who he really is. These two disciples walked with Jesus. They listened to Jesus. But it wasn't until he broke the bread and blessed it that their eyes were fully restored and opened. When they recognized Jesus for who he really was, their hope was fully restored. They thought he was dead crucified on a cross and suddenly they realized he was alive and they were so excited they got up and ran seven miles back to Jerusalem just to tell the other disciples people often ask from time to time how can uh, I distinguish between the accusations of Satan and the conviction of the Holy Spirit when my wife calls me on the phone I don't have to guess or ask who this is. I recognize her voice because we talk all the time. If you know the Lord intimately, you will recognize his voice. So if you've confessed and repented of your sin, then accept God's forgiveness. Forget your past mistakes and move toward the future. The Apostle Paul lived a messed up life. He participated in the persecution, arrest, and arrest of many Christians. And he even uh, consented when Stephen was stoned to death. He continued to struggle with sin. In Romans chapter 7, Paul write, he writes, The things I want to do, I don't do. And the very things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Yet Paul knew what it was to be forgiven and, and to move on. He wrote in Philippians chapter 3, he said, One thing I do... Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Do you recognize Jesus this morning? How would you answer the question, who is Jesus? If you answer, he was a religious teacher who lived two and died 2,000 years ago. You wouldn't be wrong. But you wouldn't be necessarily right either. He is so much more than a founder of religion. There are many religions on this planet. And you can visit the tombs uh, where the remains of the relig religious leaders are buried. And, but the single feature that makes Jesus unique is that he is alive today. He is alive. If you don't see him as living today, you don't have any basis for hope. Easter, because of Jesus' death, 
And resurrection is the most hopeful day of the year. Because the Bible says it is the resurrection of Jesus that is the basis for our hope. In his great mercy, he has given a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The crucifixion of Jesus was not a rare event. Thousands of criminals were crucified on a Roman cross. But it is the resurrection of Jesus that stands alone in history as unique. Through it, we have hope. On the night of March 12, 2005, Ashley Smith experienced every woman's worst nightmare. Ashley was entering her apartment at 2 a.m., An escaped prisoner, Brian Nichols, came up behind her and stuck a gun in her ribs. For seven hours, she was the hostage of a man who allegedly gunned down several people in the past few hours. Brian Nichols tied her up and told her he was probably going to have to kill her too because she would recognize him. Over the next few hours, a miracle occurred. Ashley told her captor she had a five-year-old daughter and that her husband had been killed. And if she died, her little girl wouldn't have a mommy or daddy. And when she started talking about God to, to her captor, he released her. But he kept the guns within reach. Then she asked him if she could read something. And he said, sure, go ahead. She got her Bible and then picked up Rick's, Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. She had been reading a section of that book every day, seeking to draw closer to God. And over the next few hours, they talked about God and the Bible. And the next morning, he allowed her to leave to pick up her daughter from an Awana event at a local Baptist church. She called 911, and when police surrounded her apartment, Brian Nichols surrendered without any assistance or resistance. I admire Ashley Smith. She's not what you would call a Proverbs 31 woman. She doesn't teach a Sunday school class. She didn't lead a woman's prayer group. Instead, she was a girl who had gone through years of heartbreaking failures and disappointments. She had been through drug and alcohol rehab. She had to give up custody of her daughter. And she was leaving her apartment that night to go buy some cigarettes. She's not a person who had it all together. But over the years, she's in the process of getting it all together. That's what hope is. Even when life is bad, you're still looking to God and having only positive expectations. For everyone who has struggled to find hope, Ashley Smith serves as a great source of encouragement. And her experience should give us all the hope that we need. And that's what, we, that's what she talked about with Brian Nichols, was hope was hope. In recounting those seven hours, Ashley said he needed hope for his life. He said, look at me. Look at my eyes. I'm already dead. And I said to him, you're not dead. You're standing right in front of me. After I started to read to him, he saw my faith and what I really believed in. I told him I was a child of God and And that I wanted to do God's will. And I guess he began to want the same things too. I believe God brought him into my life and into my at my door so I wouldn't hurt, so he wouldn't hurt anybody else that night. 
I believe Ashley Smith is alive and Brian Nichols is behind bars because she had begun to understand that Jesus Christ is the only source of our hope for us. Do you possess that kind of hope? Hope is more than blind optimism. Hope is better than bland pessimism. An optimist sees the glass as half full and a pessimist sees the glass half empty. But a person with hope sees the glass as firmly held in the hand of God. You don't have to worry about what the future holds if you know who holds your future. There was a woman who had been diagnosed with a terminal illness and had begun and had been given three months to live. So as she was getting her things in order, she contacted the pastor and had him come to her house to discuss certain things about her final wishes. And she told him which songs she wanted to be sung at the service, what her favorite scripture were that meant a lot to her that she wanted him to share and what outfit she wanted to be buried in. And she also requested to be buried with her favorite Bible. Everything was in order and the pastor was preparing to leave when she suddenly remembered something very important. There's one more thing. There's one more thing. And pastor asked her, what's that? She said, I want to be buried with a fork in my right hand. Pastor stood looking at the woman, kind of not really knowing what to say. And she said, that surprises you, doesn't it? He said, well, I am kind of puzzled by the request. And the woman explained, she said, in all my years of attending church socials and potluck dinners, I always remember that when the dishes of the main course were being cleared, someone would inevitably lean over and say, keep your fork. It's my favorite part because I knew something better was coming, like red velvet cake or deep dish apple pie or my favorite, banana pudding. Something wonderful and with substance. So I just want people to see see me there in the casket with a fork in my hand, and I want them to wonder what's with the fork. And then I want you to tell them. The pastor's eyes welled up with tears of joy and hugged the woman goodbye for he knew that it would be one of the last times he would see her before her death. But he also knew that this woman had a better grasp of heaven than he did. At the funeral, people were walking by the woman's casket and they saw the pretty dress she was wearing and her favorite Bible and the fork placed in her right hand. Over and over and over, the pastor heard the question, what's with the fork? And over and over, he smiled. And during the message, the pastor told the people of the conversation he had with the woman shortly before she died. He also told them about the fork and what it it symbolized to her. The pastor told the people how he could not stop thinking about the fork. And told them probably would not stop thinking about it either. He's right. So the next time you reach down for your fork, let it remind you oh so gently. Keep your fork. The best is yet to come. The message of Easter 
will always be a message of hope to the brokenhearted. The God who holds the future is the God who can heal your broken heart. As Gloria Gaither wrote, Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. That's hope. Because he lives, all fear is gone. That's hope. Because I know who holds my future, that's hope. And life is worth the living just because he lives. And because he lives, the best is yet to come. Pray with me if you would. Father, we come before you. And we thank you for the privilege of opening up your word today. And thank you for the promise that, you've, that you can restore our hope. That as we walk with you, as we uh, uh, see you as you fully are. And Father, we know that there's going to be some uh, incredible things happening in our lives because of the hope that's only found in Jesus Christ. Having only positive expectations and remembering because he lives the best is yet to come thanks for listening if you're in North Charleston this Sunday please consider visiting us at our 9 o'clock or 1130 services we'd love to see you Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.